Last time on The Accidental Lawyer, Joe received an IME notice and his first C81 while Marie was on the job hunt. In today's episode, Joe's financial situation starts to improve and he can finally look forward to receiving his back due money. Joe also attends his first IME and learns more about the system. Stick around to find out what transpires with Joe. Welcome to The Accidental Lawyer. Marie found a job. Everyone took a huge breath of relief. It did not pay much, nowhere near what Joe had earned, but it would help. It was full-time and would pay Marie's health insurance. Joe and the kids would still have to either be on COBRA or try to find coverage elsewhere. Unfortunately, family coverage was not an option at Marie's new place of employment unless she paid the difference out of her pay. And the difference was the same amount as the current COBRA payment. Marie could add the family later if absolutely necessary. So they decided to take a little time and see what they could dig up coverage-wise that may cost less, but would protect their son with asthma. Joe and Marie were feeling a tiny bit better about their financial situation. Obviously, Marie now had a job. But Joe had also been contacted by his attorney regarding his average weekly wage information. As you may recall, Joe was being paid on a tentative basis based on a very low average weekly wage until the employer provided his exact payroll information. Joe's attorney had contacted him and informed him that the wage information had finally been submitted by the employer. Even better, the attorney had already been in contact with the carrier and they had agreed on a figure for a proper average weekly wage and a modification of all the past awards to reflect the increase in the average weekly wage. A stipulation had been prepared and sent to Joe to sign in return, which he had done promptly. The stipulation was then sent to the board, and they were now simply awaiting a decision, which Joe's attorney had said could come out any day. When the attorney had told Joe how much money would move based on the stipulation, setting forth the new average weekly wage and modifying the prior awards, Joe wrote the figure down. He wanted to tell Marie as soon as he hung up. Joe was finally going to receive what he had thought he was entitled to for so many weeks. As soon as Joe hung up, he called for Marie. Once he went over the figures with Marie and signed the stipulation and sent it back to his attorney, Marie and Joe had sat down together and pushed out figures on the calculator, deciding what bills to pay first with this money, as anything left over would go to Marie's parents to start to pay down the loan from them. Obviously, the mortgage and late fees would be paid first. Marie and Joe had thought they might just scrape by if Marie found a job. Now she had a job, and his benefits would more accurately reflect his prior wages. Things would still be very tight but they were looking up. Briefly, let me explain what a stipulation is and how it's useful in the workers' compensation system. A stipulation is a form that's used by the parties when they agree to terms on a case. It can be a specific aspect of a case or it can be all aspects of a case. Whatever the agreement, the parties can put in writing on the stipulation form and once signed by all parties, the board will review it and issue a decision setting forth the findings that were agreed upon and requested 
by the parties. This is a way to fairly quickly get a decision from the board and move a case along. Here, in the case of Joe, there are many issues floating around that the parties do not agree upon. However, the one issue they do agree on can be disposed of quickly through the stipulation process. The only thing that could speed this process up a bit more would be if the parties could sign electronically, which would allow the stipulation to be signed by all parties in one day and then electronically submitted to the board the same day. We're not quite there yet, but I do anticipate that DocuSigning, as it is known, will become standard at some point in our system. I think the COVID-19 pandemic may move that along a bit as well. In the meantime, while Joe awaited the decision and his monies, he prepared for his upcoming IME. The notice had said he would have to bring along any imaging studies, so he had run around gathering his numerous imaging studies from the various locations to make sure he had them with him to take to the IME. He also completed the extensive form that was also required. Turns out, it took Joe a lot longer to prepare the information for the visit and drive there than it did for the exam itself. Joe arrived at the IME location, carefully parking as close as he could, and then maneuvering his walker through the parking lot without the assistance of Marie. She had just started her new job and could not afford a day off to help him get to the IME. The office was in a plaza and appeared to be a temporary doctor's office. The name of the IME doctor had been temporarily taped to the front door, and the office itself was sparsely decorated. When Joe shuffled in, carefully balancing all of the imaging studies and the completed questionnaire on his walker, he looked around. There was a woman at a desk and a full waiting room. Joe was taken aback by the myriad of injuries he saw. While some people did not have visible injuries, many wore braces or slings, as this IME was an orthopedist. Joe wondered what these people had gone through. Were they experiencing the same thing as Joe? Were they as stressed about treatment and finances as Joe? And were they feeling completely dependent on the outcome of this exam as Joe was? Joe slowly approached the desk and handed in his completed questionnaire, as well as the imaging discs. The woman at the desk barely acknowledged Joe while waving off the imaging studies and taking the questionnaire from him. Joe was then ushered in to a busy waiting room with everyone else, where he waited and waited. Joe became more uncomfortable by the minute on the hard chairs which were provided. Just when Joe thought they had forgotten about him, he heard his name called. Joe slowly rose, took his walker, and followed the nurse to an exam room. Once in the exam room, Joe was left to wait for the doctor. Alone, he carefully maneuvered his walker around so he could get on the exam table. It took a couple of tries, but he was able to get up onto the table and push his walker to the corner with his foot so it would be out of the way, but still reachable. After waiting a bit longer, a doctor walked in. The doctor was reading a file presumably Joe's file, as he walked into the room. Joe again tried to hand the imaging studies, which were on discs, over to the doctor, but the doctor waved him off. The doctor looked up and asked Joe how old he was and what had happened to him. Joe answered and tried to advise the doctor of his current symptoms and what treatment his doctor thought was necessary, but the doctor cut him off again 
and began what was to be a brief examination. When the doctor appeared to be done without having yet examined Joe's painful right shoulder, Joe tried to tell the doctor about the shoulder. The doctor cut him off again. Joe tried twice more as he knew the right shoulder was supposed to be examined and hadn't been. The doctor would not listen. The doctor was reading the file, oblivious to Joe's concerns. He never asked Joe to stand for a more extensive examination of his back or lower extremities. He never touched the right shoulder. Before abruptly walking out, though, the doctor turned and told Joe the surgery would be authorized and then finished up with a quick good luck. The entire exam had taken under 10 minutes. Joe, alone again, carefully pulled the walker back with his foot and slowly dismounted from the exam table. He then shuffled back out through the waiting room full of injured workers and exited the office. Joe went home and waited for Marie to get out of work pick up the kids, and return home. Joe was exhausted and sore from his efforts of attending the IME. He was a bit surprised that the doctor had not asked very many questions and barely touched him. Marie and the kids arrived home, though, and Joe quickly forgot about the day's events. Next time on The Accidental Lawyer, Joe will receive his copy of the IME findings, followed shortly by a request from the insurance company. Tune in next time to find out how an IME may impact benefits to Joe and other injured workers. This week's email is from Kathy. You can email me at accidental at Kate Kirsch Law, and I will answer one emailed question per episode. We may have covered this issue previously, but the issue is an important one. Dear Kate, I have been receiving workers' compensation full benefits for over a year. Recently, my doctor said I could return to work light duty, but my employer will not take me back. What are my options? Signed, Kathy. Thank you for writing, Kathy. When you say you were receiving full benefits, I will assume you were totally disabled and that your doctors, having previously found you to be totally disabled, are now noting a partial disability. Since you contacted your employer and they have no work for you within your restrictions, you may be eligible for unemployment in New York State. To be eligible, you have to be ready, willing, and able to work. You are. Your doctor has now found you to have some capacity for work. You can collect both New York State workers' compensation benefits and New York State unemployment benefits as long as New York State unemployment knows the amount you are receiving in workers' compensation benefits. New York State unemployment will pay you based on the amount of workers' compensation you are receiving. It's also a good idea to notify your workers' compensation attorney that you're receiving New York State unemployment benefits. A requirement of both New York State unemployment and the New York State Workers' Compensation Board is that you conduct a vigorous work search when you're partially disabled. Your attorney should be able to give you specific instructions as to what is required under the New York State Workers' Compensation System. Our office has a memorandum that goes out to our clients listing each and every requirement with an example of what an excellent work search looks like. If you follow the requirements that you receive from your attorney for a work search under the New York State Workers' Compensation System, which is the most stringent of the requirements of the two, you should be fine in both systems.
This podcast in no way is meant to be a legal advice to you and your specific injury or situation. The purpose of this podcast is simply to give a hypothetical, to give a general overview of the workers' compensation system in a simplified way as it stands currently in New York State. I recommend that you contact your attorney to discuss the specific facts of your claim.